Today we have on Professor Fabiana Borges from Gracie Baja Jiu-Jitsu in San Antonio. Today's episode was a great podcast. It was also our second podcast. She is a a business owner. She owns her branch of uh, Gracie Baja Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu here in San Antonio. Um, She's a black belt. She's a uh, a champion black belt in Jiu-Jitsu. She's competed around the world. Um, And she just became an American citizen um, recently. So we hope you enjoy this podcast. We hope you get some... uh, some life lessons and some energy from this podcast. Um, she's a great example of a sophisticated savage. Uh, I was really thrilled to have a female perspective on this. Uh, I didn't want to come across as this podcast being too much male dominant uh, machismo. So I hope you enjoy. Please don't skip this podcast. And uh, without further ado, enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to our first Sophisticated Savage podcast with a guest, Professor Fabiana. Hello. <laughs> it's an honor to have you. Thank you, guys, uh, for having excited. me. A quick cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Yes. cheers. Cheers. Thank you very much for being with us. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so last time we did talk on the podcast, we did it out of Dylan's garage, mm-hmm. and we talked about you know trying to locate a space. So what we're going to do for future podcasts is we're going to do portable podcasts. So right now, Professor Fabiana blessed us with uh, letting her do it in jiu-jitsu school here at Stone Oak, San Antonio. Phenomenal place. and You need to come check it out. Very mature crowd. Um, but that's what we're going to do with future podcasts. We're going to try to do it portable. Say the name of the school. You've said school. Gracie Baja, San Antonio. <laughs> Two locations, actually, in San Antonio. So she's doing well for herself. Very sophisticated in the business side. Thank you. So. I, I was actually... Did y'all used to be over by Hebner Oaks on I-10? Um... No. No? Okay. Well, that actually could lead into the first question. How did you arrive here in San Antonio with Gracie Baja? Because I know she's not the original owner. Yeah. So, um, it come, I came a long way um, to end up here in San Antonio. When I first come here, when I first came to the United States, I ended up, I was in Washington State, and then moved to California, and then moved to Austin. And then I moved to San Antonio to work. So the first location was at um, Stone Oak Parkway. Um, I was going to open my gym in San Marcos. But things didn't work out for the former owner at San Antonio. So they had to close down the school. So I came back to um, reopen the Gracie Baja here. You did? I did. Yeah, that's pretty much how I ended up in San Antonio, like for real. Okay, and so it, that's how you stay. Is it, is this the same location you opened? Is uh, this the first one that, you opened? Yeah, that okay. I opened it, yes. I did a teach in the older location in Stone Oak. Yeah. But um, being an owner, co-owner, um, this was the first one. Yes. You don't have another location in Burning, correct? Yes. Now it just opened like in November, five, four months ago. I don't know, four or five, I don't know. Um, yes, we opened the second location, Bernie, and that's going very, very well. Like you were saying, a more mature, crowded, and a lot of families, um, parents, and kids train together. That's, that's awesome. That's fun. actually, uh, I told myself when we come back from Europe, 
that I was going to try all the jiu-jitsu schools, and I'm going to make sure I, I picked the, my favorite one. This is the first one I came to, and it was just mature, yeah. and everybody was so warm and welcoming. Nobody tried to rip my head off the first day. Yes. Maybe on the third day, right? <laughs> Yeah, third day. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I just stayed here. I love mm. it. Awesome. Long story from there. Yeah, I was actually, the first question I wanted to ask you was about how you came from Brazil and here I saw you on the news I didn't uh-huh. realize that was you when I saw you like two weeks ago uh-huh. and I text JC and he was like oh yeah that's uh, uh-huh. from yeah. the beginning yeah. please so my biggest question is when you started training in Brazil and you were making a decision to come to the States mm-hmm. did you travel here for competitions for a while before ultimately moving here I, mean, I did I came here one time in 2007 okay. um, to do the words um, and then that's when everything starts to like I think I planned to see okay. on to, in 2007. A friend of mine came and she was all excited about it, coming back and um, training here. I wasn't so excited about because I was going to school in Brazil. I was doing veterinary. Okay. Um, so I was like, okay, yeah, I can go back. It was fun. Um, but then things start to line up for me to come. So I didn't have the money, but I got the sponsorship. My mom helped me a little bit with the money. So everything started to line up. I found a place to stay here. Then I came. Um, and that was in 2008. So in 2008, I came and I got the opportunity to stay here, learn English, train jiu-jitsu. And since then, everything starts to line up and I'm getting the opportunities. Okay. Uh, my visa, I got a visa to stay here um, as an athlete and then green card. So there's a visa for athletes? Just yes, for athletes? Really? it's called the P1. I think it's a special, um, special abilities. Okay, special abilities, yeah. Yes, so there's the P1. A lot of musicians and um, athletes get that. I yeah. Didn't know that. I thought, mm-hmm. Honestly, I just thought it was for sciences and stuff like that. Yeah, that's no, awesome. that's um, that's J four, J something. Look at you, you know yes. the law. <laughs> <laughs> about visa, I know a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, then um, I came and I stay and they start to. Move. So I lived in Washington State for a year. We're in Washington State. In Yakma. Yakma. <laughs> uh, the, my Muay Thai instructor, he lived in Bellingham, which is like an hour north of Seattle. Uh-huh. And he was there for a long time. I believe Yakima is south uh, west. I don't know, forget my geography. Um, but it's two hours from Seattle. So we would go to Seattle to train in for tournaments and stuff. Okay. Um, and then I got the opportunity to go to California in 2000. Then I believe and 2009. This all was still with the Gracie Baja. All team? with the Gracie Baja. Yeah, Gracie Baja was my college. Okay. I say I think my the time I stayed in Washington was the time I was studying, having that college, and then when I moved to to California was my internship. Okay. A little bit. <laughs> I like it, how you break it down. <laughs> yeah. So it was. And then you got your full doctorate. You're a black belt now. Yes, awesome. I came here as a black belt. Okay. Yeah, so with being black belt for since 2007, you can help me with the math. <laughs> 10, 11 years, 12. So the maybe. process when you were coming here for the first time, deciding to move here, 
you were still pretty young. Did you, yes. were you apprehensive? I'm sure there was some nerves moving, but were you excited or more fearful? Um, I was excited. Okay. I always been, um, I would say, ahead of my age and time. Gotcha. And I always had a very strong mind, I think. I believe Jiu-Jitsu helped me with that, to not be afraid of the new. It was exciting. We always would have a new tournament. So I would be excited to train and see how I would do it, you know. And um, I was very young, um, but not afraid. It was exciting to come here, excited to, to learn. Um, but my friend Median helped me a lot to be stronger. When the adversity would come, she would be there with me and for me. So that helped a lot coming was, with her. That's an interesting point because I didn't do, start doing martial arts until after college. I was in mm-hmm. my late 20s. I did a lot of basketball when I was young, and it's a team sport. And I was not necessarily a fearful kid, but I don't feel like I got a lot of like personal, like strong confidence until I started doing martial arts. And then I felt more confident in my own abilities. Sport. Yeah, to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. In basketball, you have five of the guys with yeah. you on the court, or four of the guys see me on the court, and then there's usually like 10 or 12 on the entire team. So there's a lot of people on the team that support you, and it's not as, if you make a mistake, you can cover it up a little bit more, and you don't have, sometimes a spotlight, especially if you're not the star of the team, which I was not, I'm not that great, <laughs> uh, it's not always on you. And so I don't think, I mean, I was always, like you said, I was mature for my age as well, mm-hmm. but I don't think I was like really confident in my own abilities until I started doing martial arts and then I, in the last five yeah. years I've noticed that every year I'm more and more confident talking to people yes. and knowing that I'm, what I'm doing my decisions I'm making are good decisions and I was, you know, I'm not afraid to make the wrong decision I see that a lot of kids when they come they learn that their consequence for example Right. If you let somebody pass your guard, right, mm-hmm. you will suffer the consequence. So you fight a little bit more mm-hmm. to don't let them pass your guard. Right. Because if somebody's on top of me, now you have to deal with that. You will, will you give up or will you keep on fighting? You are already in a bad spot. Will you yeah. give up or will you keep on going? So now next time that kids train they will think more like no I'm not gonna let you pass I'm gonna fight a little bit longer because I know how it is to be inside control I like that it's kind of like suffer the consequences yes. get better or suffer the consequences yeah. I like that but one thing that also helped me was um, living in Brazil it was bad no nope, I shouldn't say bad but living here was better than living in Brazil sure. so that helped me to stay here and um, moving here and don't have that fear too because I know whatever was bad here mm. would be better than in Brazil sure so, and that's something I don't think a lot of Americans appreciate no. especially if they don't travel no and my, my wife's from Mexico originally and well, we go travel down in Mexico give us some backstory that way <laughs> people know what you're talking about seriously yeah, yeah. yeah a lot of people like you just said if they don't travel yeah they're not going to comprehend so this would be the best time to yeah, I come. Um, I was born in the favelas of Brazil, the slums or the slums. ghetto of yeah. Brazil. Um, and that, there you learn that you gotta survive. You know, like my parents work on a work, and I would stay home by myself, and I would see my mom struggle. Um, she she's a house cleaner, and my dad is a server. 
so I would go to her job and see her cleaning house. And I know I knew that I didn't want a clean house. Mm -hmm. So anything else that would get me out from that scenario would be better. My friends would get pregnant at 15 years old, 12 years old. Can I ask you a, a, a question I think a lot of our listeners would have? Uh-huh. Are the favelas really that bad? What are they? <laughs> um, you know... Like the way they make them out in the movies, you know? Yes. When, you, when they are... Homicide and all that stuff. Yeah, when they have traffic, um, gang traffic and gang fights, yes. I remember we would hide underneath the table or my mom and dad wouldn't go to work or sometimes they're shooting on the, the favelas and you cannot go back home. You have to stay stay on the streets um, and you can go back home so yes and no because we um, I see now it's bad because before I didn't have anything to compare but it's so much loving every house you go there's a little coffee there's a little hey I have bread I have cake there's so much love so much welcoming there is the bad side yes but also there is a lot of love and empathy with each other. You know? That's awesome. Yeah. So, but I I knew I didn't want to go clean house. I didn't want to go work at store. Yeah. I didn't want to have kids so such an early age. Yeah. And jujitsu helped me to see that there there was more outside of the favela life. You know. And you said you were studying to be a veterinarian. Yes. When you're there. So veterinarian wasn't my passion. Okay. But it was a way out from the favelas. So I always took opportunities. Um, I, I started jiu-jitsu when I was 11 years old. And I trained my whole um, teenage years. When I was 18, I got into college. So on that point, it was like, okay, you're going to stay in jiu-jitsu. There where you're not making money. Or you're going to go uh, work on a store which normal most people would do it or would you go to college to become a veterinary and maybe get a better job let me go to veterinary school and even veterinary school and coming here it was the same thought we will stay in veterinary school where you don't love or we will go to a new country learn a new language um and maybe even if I went back, I would have the English to help me with the school. So it was a, like a no-brain. Okay, let me go to sure. new country. Let me learn a new language. You, you say no-brainer, but uh, <laughs> one of the things that like, talk, we talk about, like sophisticated savages, people are scared to do things. Yeah. And so I'm sure we're all curious as to where you got that strength or that fearless attitude. Was it something that was built from jiu-jitsu, or is it something you've always had, or was it a combination of living in the favelas, jiu-jitsu, everything together, and now you're just a strong woman? I, I don't know. You should ask my mom and dad where <laughs> they come from. But I think I was always, I was always the one, the leader of the class. Who's going to be the leader of the class? Okay. Three years consecutive, I was the leader of the class, and I was seven, eight, maybe nine, eight, nine. 10 years old so I was I was a little I, something you were probably born with yeah I, I think so but I I had to I think I was born with and I think a lot of people are born with but you have to exercise 
otherwise it's not gonna come out you know we have to I was thinking the, today like sometimes here I shouldn't say here in America but sometimes people have everything lined up for you okay you're gonna you're gonna finish school you're gonna go to college and even in Brazil some people have that you're gonna go to college you're gonna you have that line up I didn't have a lineup for me. Mm. I, my dad and my mom wouldn't pay a private school for me. So I had to go. In Brazil, you don't pay for a public school. So I had to go for a public school. Otherwise, dad and mom wouldn't pay for me. So I had kind of to figure it out. On your own? Yeah. Mm. My, da- my mom, she doesn't know how to read and write. My dad had only up to the fourth grade. So... The reading, let's read a book. Let's. They didn't teach me how to do it, so I, I did have to get the opportunities and meeting the people and listening, learning from others to get where I am today. So I, I think I am very. Um, I listen and learn from from others' mistakes a lot, and that helped me too. Nice. <laughs> were there other sports outside of jiu-jitsu that you played? When you were I try it. I try volleyball. I try soccer. <laughs> I try track, but nothing, nothing was like. No, she's good at it. No, jiu-jitsu was what um, made made me feel strong. You know. And that program, I think I was reading online that you went through was an attempt to take jiu-jitsu to the favelas and expose it to kids and help kind of yes. instill some confidence and some national pride and kind of help take them out of a situation that maybe wasn't the best. Yeah. Um, I've, I've listened to people talk about something similar here in the States. A lot of kids sometimes don't initially, even they might have stuff lined up and it's a little easier in America. Sometimes kids have a, like a lack of direction mm-hmm. and there's not hard work necessarily installed in a lot of uh, younger American kids. Do you think a program similar to that in the States, whether it's jiu-jitsu or boxing or some martial art, taken to uh, less privileged neighborhoods here in the States, would that be something that you think would work here? Or is it just a different mentality with American kids versus other parts of the world? I think kids are kids anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And if we do a program here or in Africa or in Brazil, Venezuela, whatever, as long as you have somebody that can lead them or show them more than what they have, I think it it would it will work. You know. Were your parents apprehensive at first with when the, I moved you, here? No, no. When you first started doing jujitsu, you know, they never knew yeah. what was jujitsu. Oh, okay. I went there, sure. <laughs> and I you being you, you went on your own. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like what a bad parent, but no. My mom would leave work to to work at six, seven. Sure. Would come back seven. Would make cook for us, clean. My dad would leave at 4 a.m., come back, drink his beer, whatever, you know. They didn't go. My uncle went with me, and I went back home. My dad signed the paper, gave me 30 reais, and I got my gi, and that's it. My dad saw me training in 2013. After many years of me training jiu-jitsu, I was a black belt. He didn't see you until you were a black belt? Yes. Wow. They never went to a tournament. They never... Wow. Yeah. It it's pretty crazy to because they didn't have the time, sure. no? They they no, had to I, work. I can connect with you on that level. Same thing. My mom was a, a waitress downtown at a famous restaurant here in San Antonio. 
my dad was a truck driver, mm-hmm. so he would leave for months at a time. And what, how old are you in first grade? Like six or seven? Six or seven? Yeah. Probably. So they would, uh, my mom would be gone by the time I got home or right around two. So now it sounds really bad for child laws, but I was, I was six yeah. or seven. I was left alone. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom would make beans and rice. Yes. Leave it there. She'd be gone. My dad was a truck driver, so he wasn't there. Then my brothers and sisters, who knows where they would go after school. So I totally understand, like, yeah. you were on your own. Even though you had two loving parents. They yes. were loving. Uh-huh. But, like, now that I'm older, I can understand that they, they were gone because they were working for yes. you. It's not they left because they wanted to. Of course, they wanted yeah. to be with you, but you got to make money, so. And I did have, uh, I do have an older sister that would stay home okay. helping out, but... I would I would go so one thing I think I think helped me a lot was also church. I went to church early and I was I was with older people. So we would have theater. I would go to the theater by myself. So everything started to I was responsible, young and responsible mm. I think. So I did things at the church and then Went to jiu-jitsu, started to do things at jiu-jitsu, so they trust me, you know. I wasn't a kid that would be always in trouble. Mm. Um, There's ever something you say, and you just want to cut it out, just let us know, and we'll cut it, yeah. stop it, record later. So, of, like so, you said, if you get in trouble and you want to tell us now, go ahead. Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> One of the questions, the reason I brought that up about doing it here in America is when I mentioned this to like my parents, our family and friends who aren't exposed to martial arts, the first thing they think of is, like, why would you make violent bring this to kids yeah. and, it's, and they think of it from like watching the UFC or now on YouTube there's a lot of people watch street fights yes. that's a big thing and I try to tell them that's not what martial arts is about yeah. that's these kids fighting which when I was in school they would do anyways Yeah. and martial arts is much more about discipline and self-confidence and training and hard work and you get so tired of training fighting that yeah. when you go outside like I don't want to fight with you. Sometimes I I go out with my friends and they like, oh look that girls want to fight. I'm like, that should want to like they get fights for me. I'm like girls, I don't want to get fights because I already trained this morning. Right. I, I don't want to train again. Not only that, but I think it's that we know how much effort and consequences there yes. are in our fighting. Uh, and what you can do, yeah. you can. There's hurt somebody famous people that I've met famous people you've met there's some of the most calmest people you go out yeah. and party with they're like yeah. Psh, I know what I can do yeah. and I just want to have fun I don't want to there's no reason to prove it or show yeah. it or do anything and I also think you are very confident on yourself on your own skin so you don't have anything to prove outside of the mat exactly you, know? you are probably out, out and about thinking about the next morning you're gonna train like oh, I'm so sorry but I need to train or so yeah so a random question so when you go out to like uh, Buffalo Wild Wings uh-huh. or these <laughs> other events and you see the UFC and then you hear these people talk about oh I would do this or I could get out how much does that bother you or annoy you, you know, don't or do you just much. laugh it off not that much I'm like you don't know what you're talking about <laughs> or like um, some people sometimes say oh so you can kick my butt I'm like well, if you want to meet, if you do something yeah. and I have to, I probably will. <laughs> <laughs> so just be nice and it will be nice back to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, 
where I work at, um, I work with a lot of uh, veterans, and mm -hmm. a lot of them have combative experiences, and for the most part, they're super chill, nice, and I find for myself and then for the patients I see, when, when they work out, the mental health side of things is taken care of, so mm -hmm. you're not stressed about stuff. I know my wife, we have a small child, and so she can probably attest to days where I don't work out, I'm way yes. more agitated and hard to deal with just because I'm grumpy. And then when I work out, especially when I have a hard training yes. session, I come home and I don't have the energy to even fight, fight or, or, <laughs> or complain about stuff. Um, and I, I find, as I've gotten older, I need that more. I didn't realize that when I was a kid. Sometimes yeah. I didn't want to go to practice because we practice sometimes year-round basketball and yeah. two-hour sessions in the day, morning and the afternoon. And you want to go play with your friends. But um, as I've gotten older, I don't have that outlet at work. So, mm -hmm. you know, trying to be productive if i don't yeah. work out i get i start getting this antsy and anxiety so. yeah but i say that sometimes um we say i say we say that that kids doesn't quit who quits are the parents yeah. because if you know the value of the sport in your kid's life you will bring them you will bring them you will bring them you know um but sometimes they fight to get the kids here or in in it other sport that's when they're like okay i'm done with this mm -hmm. because they bring the kids and the kids have fun right it's just the way how are they bringing him mm -hmm. how are they bringing the kids here that's when a lot of um, problems have you know sure but the if the parent acknowledge and knows that the sport is good for the kid they will be supportive and keep bringing the kid do you get a lot of parents that bring the kids here for the anti-bullying program? I do. Um, usually they start like that, or they know about it, and then um, they they stay. But a lot of people bring mostly, I think, for the self-defense, which is right. the anti-bully for kids. But, um, yeah, they, they want the kids to be more confident. And um, we do have kids that are up the roof of confidence right now. Sure. They I, I and have kids that have defend themselves um, against people that were bullying them, um, or they stand up for themselves. They don't even need to get on the full contact because they can speak up. They can sure. say, "Hey, stop." So right. parents have already told you that their kid yes. has already utilized. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. One of our kids, uh, a boy, were getting his backpack and throwing all his stuff on the ground, and so he. He came and stand up for himself. So, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I've noticed with training, uh, my instructor does a adrenal response course where he has people like purposely agitate you mm -hmm. and try to increase your adrenaline because a lot of people don't train that when it happens for the first time and your adrenaline pumps. You yes. kind of have that fight or flight response and people freeze or they just react in the wrong way. And going through that stressful situation and practicing and getting used to that situation when it happens in real life, there's a you're much more calm because you not that you can handle it easier but you you kind of learn to roll with that adrenaline dump so you yes. don't freak out or you don't you know do something rashly where you maybe would have overreacted and got into a fight you can take a step back and calm yes. and avoid that fight or avoid that situation um, because you're kind of used to that that I, fight or fight i kind of i think the equivalent of that in my mind is in jiu-jitsu it's like a a lot of white belts and I'm pretty sure I probably did it is as soon as we feel the choke coming mm -hmm. we'll just tap yeah but then once we start getting used to it that pressure and feeling it coming 
we get more confident and know that we can still have some fight in it and either reverse it, escape, whatever it might be. But yeah, you're right. Feeling that adrenaline, getting used to it, and being able to fight back or getting choked out right before, blah, blah, blah. No reason to just tap. It's, let's fight through it. Let's see how far I can go. Well, and for me, and not, I don't do jiu-jitsu, and the striking side of stuff, the first time you get hit yeah. and punched in the <laughs> face is an experience. I mean, of course, we're, we're gloved up. It's not yeah. like it's, a, it's bare knuckle. But the first time you get hit, a lot of times, I find, for me, it was an exciting experience. I had never been in an actual fight in school. I was usually bigger than everybody, so no one really ever bothered uh-huh. me. But um, the first time I got punched and we were kind of practicing, it it I didn't freak out. I actually enjoyed it. Not in a in a massive I, under, I understand. It's like when you get choked, you're like, oh, this is actually, it's making me want to fight back, you right, know? Right. So, <laughs> but I, I don't know if we, we can switch topics. I don't want to talk about jiu-jitsu the whole time if, you, if you're, I don't want to. I'm sure you get asked about jiu-jitsu all the time. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, well, we've talked about it. Uh, professor being outside of jiu-jitsu. Uh-huh. And even your love life. <laughs> how you actually, I don't know, don't want somebody that does strictly jiu-jitsu all day. Because it's just like work. You don't want to talk about work mm-hmm. all day. That's literally your job. Yes. Can we skip that? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, since being in Texas, um, you said you lived in Austin and uh-huh. in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Do you prefer either city do you find other things that you like in Austin that you, you know I used to say I like Austin better than San Antonio mm-hmm. um, but nowadays I, San Antonio grew in my heart um, people are very family oriented and um, friendly and I think I meant to come here Austin is amazing I love the atmosphere that I love the lifestyle mm-hmm. um, the health mentality that they have right. But um, so much um, things happening. Sure. <laughs> for business-wise, yeah. San Antonio was better. For living-wise, San Antonio is much better. Yeah. Mm. I just don't like the traffic in Austin. My, my dad lived in Austin for years, and the, the traffic has only gotten worse. Yeah. I was up there for uh, briefly for South by Southwest this week, and it was... And yeah. it's San Antonio, too. I think it was... Um, it's getting bad. Luckily, we I live close by, so it's not that bad. Yeah, that's I live close to work, so I don't experience the traffic too bad. But if mm-hmm. I had to commute, like some of my coworkers commute an hour or more to work, and yes. I, I avoid that. So yeah, you know what you guys can talk about? <laughs> uh, how is being a female and a school owner? Mm. I was going to get to that. Yes, yeah. that, that's definitely important. <laughs> do you do you find it's Difficult or well, first, you have resistance? But I say I say we should we should break it down because you're in a very male dominant sport. Yeah. So how does that even feel that you're a female black mm-hmm. belt in a very male dominant sport? Do you feel like you get the respect you you deserve? Um, you know, being at Grace Baja, yes, I feel guys respect you. Um, not because you are only a female, but because who you are, who you have achieved. Um, and it is a very um, welcome place for females to grow. We have a lot of females instructors and um, school owners, so it is a place that welcomes ladies. So I don't feel so much like, oh, she's a girl or she's a, a woman, she, she cannot be a school owner. Yeah, you want to be a school owner? Go be a school owner. You want to be a fighter, a, a competitor? Go be a competitor. You know, we have a very opening for th- that at Grace Baham. It's awesome. 
Do you com- uh, how many times a year do you compete? I try to at least three, four. So now I'm choosing more the tournaments or being with um, working both schools and with this new project in Bernie, I slow down a little bit more. Um, but I try to do at least three or four tournaments okay. a year. That you, you said something about slowing down. It made me think of something because I the last year I committed myself to a lot of things at work and outside of work with research and giving lectures and whatnot. And I kind of overextended myself a little bit. And at the end of the last year, I was feeling fatigue and I was having a little bit increase in migraines. Obviously, I had a baby too, and new mm-hmm. babies so that didn't help. Um, and I've realized I had to kind of back away and, mm. and learn to say no to things. Um, yes. Do you find that you've had to really work on that, have, A, opening up two schools, and then trying to teach? And I think you said you're going to school for business, a business degree as well? Yes. I, um, so, like, this semester I'm not doing, um, I'm not doing classes on college. Um, but, yes, like, I, when I opened San Antonio, I had to put in my mind, you're not going to compete for a year. You're not going to travel as much. <laughs> <laughs> but right. you're going to slow down in other aspects so you can grow the school. Mm. After one year of Grace Barra San Antonio being, being opened, I started to travel again. I started to compete more. And I did that for the second year, third year. Now I open it Bernie. So I'm slowing down on the traveling until Bernie grows and get going. And then I come back on, on traveling. So I do... Um, select what are my priorities and I tell myself hey girl now watch yeah. now you're not gonna travel as much because what gets me is the traveling I love traveling I love sure. meeting new people I love the culture love learning about the new cultures um, tasting the food so I, I have to tell myself hey now you don't go that much as travel you stay more here and then next year I travel more, you sure. know. So yes, I had to say no. I learned. I had to say. I had to learn how to say no. Yeah, it's it's, it's difficult. As, it as someone, is. I always try to open. Doors open to me. I felt like I've tried to my whole life walk through opportunities and, and mm. not say no to things unless it was something dangerous or ridiculous yes. or something that was going to maybe harm me. But if it was an opportunity to for educational purposes or a job opportunity or something like that, I try to, to say yes to as much as possible because I don't know if it's going to happen again yes. and I want to take advantage of it. But, you know, as, as you get older and you have you start getting settled in life, saying yes to everything, then you can easily overcommit and then I don't feel like I can give my best, um, I guess, productivity to each task if I say yes to everything and then I have 20 different things I'm committed to yes. and I'm not focusing on enough of them or giving them each of them enough time. So. You end up not doing the things right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was the last place you traveled that wasn't for competition? For competition? Not, not for, competition. for competition. For fun. Oh my gosh. She traveled a lot, so yeah. <laughs> you got time? Sure. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, Colorado wasn't for competition, was for fun. Okay, in Puerto Rico, I um, was there for um, Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. So it wasn't um, for competition. I did it. I did it teach a seminar. Usually, I say I'm not gonna put the gear on, but after three days, I'm like, sure. I need to. <laughs> I need to. So, um, out of the country, um, Puerto Rico, and 
here it was Colorado. Okay. What do you think of Colorado? I love Colorado. I like it. I, uh, I was born in Denver. Yeah. I didn't live there for more than I think it was a year old when I moved to like Texas. Colorado Springs uh, is beautiful. I like the hiking. Sure. I don't know about the cold so much. I think that would would not make me happy. But <laughs> the hiking and the lifestyle, I like. Have you have you been skiing or snowboarding before? Skiing. Skiing. Yeah. Would you say hiking would be one of your favorite outside sports besides jujitsu, or what's something you like to do besides jujitsu? I like traveling. I like dancing. You're always going on time. <laughs> I know you're always traveling. I love your Instagram pictures. I really do. Yeah, but and dancing. I like dancing too. Yeah. Dancing um, reminds me of home mm. because in Brazil we dance a lot, and my family it's from northeast. So it's a different music, different food. So we get together, we dance, so we sweat and dance. So it brings me that happiness again. So sometimes I'm stressed with the gym and jiu-jitsu. I'm like, okay, I gotta go dance. And I calm down. It reminds me, you don't need much to mm. be happy. Sure. Sometimes you get... You get um, on Overwhelmed? The, yeah, like oh, with everything. Yeah. And you're like... It, it, this will all be gone, you know. Yeah. So enjoy the moment you have. So dancing reminds me of that. You need that reminder, yeah. I think everybody needs that reminder. Yeah. It's easy to like, get stuck and say, oh, I got too much. But then you're like, oh, yeah. calm down. Calm down. Everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And go have fun. Go dance. Go enjoy life. So are you an outdoor person? Do you hike a lot? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I try to. Whenever I see a beautiful day, I try to look for hiking or maybe go to Austin to do something or here in San Antonio um, go for a hike Fredericksburg I like that ancient rock lakes too yep. I've never I've lived in San Antonio for I've never been there I've never been to Janet Rock ever. see you guys are missing out <laughs> should bring your kids and wife I think it's just like wherever you I don't know wherever you live you're like yes. I don't care to go see the Alamo or oh I don't care to go see yeah. whatever's famous in your city so they always say the grass is greener yeah. 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 you know but I I learned that in California I used to live in California Orange County and I never went to San Diego I never went to San Francisco I didn't do much. So when I moved to Austin, I'm like, I'm going to explore what I have here. Let me see what I can do. Um, the common theme that I keep hearing through this podcast is opportunity. Yes. Just say yes to your opportunity. Don't yes. miss out on your opportunity. It's okay to say no to an opportunity yes. if you have too much. So I think that seems to be the common theme throughout this podcast. Yeah. And learning also from experience. I think people go to go through bad, bad things and they don't don't learn you know yeah. or don't see what why or what what they what lesson they got from there i think that's a a good point in martial arts you have to learn right away from your mistakes yes. if not same thing's gonna happen same thing gonna, yes so yeah i agree with you yeah having a good time professor hmm? having a good time yeah <laughs> Anymore, I'll get to it in a bit. I had a question and I completely forgot it. Don't worry, <laughs> no, I'm having fun too. Um, did you get a lot of feedback after the news on your citizenship stuff? I did, yeah. uh huh. Um, I, we did an interview for another TV, another news channel, yes. So, 
I think it's gonna come out this week. Oh yeah. But she came here. She did it the school, and um, it was a good way to connect the students. I think the students seen me accomplish something so big. They never saw it. Some of them never saw it, um, citizenship um, ceremony. So they've been there and seen somebody that achieved their, that and seen that um, people are capable to do that. It was fun to see it for them. I think it bounded us more. I'd, my mother-in-law got her citizenship. I think I was a sophomore and junior in college. And I mm-hmm. went to that ceremony. And I had never been. And I probably never contemplated other than hearing stuff on the news and it was it was a cool experience it was a large crowd and i think americans take it for, for granted a lot of the stuff that they make you learn for yeah, the season test yes. that I, I hate seeing like the uh jay leno his tv show when they used to interview people on the street and uh-huh. they'd ask some questions people about government and they would have no idea yeah. and it's just <laughs> one of those things where you know you wish that they, I don't know if it's a schooling thing or if it's just that people don't care or appreciate it or a combination of both, but it's one of those things that's aggravating because I feel like a lot of other countries put emphasis on like knowing at least basics of yeah. how their government works and yeah. history of their country, and I think sometimes that's missed in American uh, education. That's yeah. my personal opinion. But I was in Mexico and that was amazing to see people knew why that street has the name, who is that person, or like you said the history of the country um people know a lot not here that they don't they do but i think everywhere there are those groups that knows more and there are those groups that doesn't yeah uh, the tv is is going to go after the people who are going to make them the most yeah. money yeah. it's going to be the people who look like idiots on, yeah. on tv so. <laughs> i think there's people that answer the question correctly and they just edit them out like let's cut them out because they actually know what they're talking <laughs> about sure. so we'll keep the people that look yeah. dumb but no, I, I think that's amazing that you got that. Uh, my parents had to go through the same thing. But mm-hmm. they, they actually came here illegitimately. They were yeah. illegal. They literally crossed the border illegal. Um, they started their own business. They learned the culture. They learned the language. And so I, I think it's amazing you did it, you did it legally yes. and that you went through all that. I also had to be, do the citizenship test. But I was nine, so it wasn't as many questions yeah. as you or whatnot. But... I think you're it's, flexing that muscle of there is no barrier, there's nothing going to stop yes. me. So you flex it at a young age, and apparently yeah. you're unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to think that, you know. And they, um, tournaments help you to sometimes feel that you are unstoppable, but sometimes it's like, come on, you are stoppable. Will you stay down or will you get back? You know, you lost. Yeah. You lost a match, you lost a tournament. Then we have to do that self-reflection again. Okay, let's go. You can do this. The motivation speak in your mind and then come back. So I think I, I can um, transfer that to life a lot. Sometimes I see a, I can't get to where I want to be. And I'm like, okay, you could not get on that way. What about the other way what about if you jump what about if you go under what about yeah. I I always try to think outside of the box okay, I, I, one of the things that I, I find beneficial for martial arts is it kind of forces you to think that way especially if you're in a competition I don't actively compete in Muay Thai it's just a mm-hmm. hobby but um, when we're sparring and we're, he's 
teaching you the basics of striking, you have to think, if you just walk straight forward, you're going to hit. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're punching a punching bag, it works really well. But if you're fighting someone, you have to create angles and create space and adapt to what they're doing. And if they're more skilled than you or bigger than you, you have to kind of adapt. And I think if you don't experience that, whether it's martial arts or, or some other uh, endeavor, if you don't learn to adapt to new situations, it can kind of you know hamper other things in your life. And I think that's one of the good things about, at least with martial arts and competition in general, it can force you to figure out another way around an obstacle yeah. that if you uh, that you wouldn't otherwise get in, in life. So yeah. I think that helps. I did have a. I was watching some of the matches on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> kind of lead up to this. I was. I noticed that you don't really. Are, the way I, I don't practice jujitsu, so I don't know in depth what you're, what mm-hmm. everything is going on. But watching you, you do at least to me, it looked like a good job of adapting to the style of the person you're going up against. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have like a sp- particular um, way way to go. So if there was someone bigger than you, you kind of um, kind of went around them. Mm-hmm. And if you were someone you could be more forceful with, you were a little bit more aggressive. Um, and do you watch tape on people who you're going to compete against and do you kind of have a strategy plan and going into it we do um, compete usually the same people on the female um, I do watch um, depends on the person but I do watch sometimes just to know kind of what to expect or know what they're good at so I know to defend it right away don't leave it open for them if somebody's If I see somebody did like a knee bar two times in a row, I'm like, okay, that that person likes knees, so I need to take care of more of that. So I do watch um, videos and tapes, and training would be more directly to defending knee bars or footlocks. Well, there's one thing that <clears throat> you won't find on the the, the competitions thing is uh, she's probably not going to tell you, and it's it's probably going to sound biased, but she's one of the hardest workers here. <laughs> uh, you want to talk about duality of sophisticated and savage? <laughs> We've been talking about her sophisticated side, you know, mm-hmm. business and the hardship, citizenship, and all that. But when it comes to gym time, and, and there's a competition coming up, <laughs> yeah. you you will literally see a switch. <laughs> no, I'm serious, like dead serious. There's and and I love her for it because the savage side comes out. She's a I don't give a fuck attitude. Uh, we're we're here to work, yes. and we're I'm gonna push you. I'm gonna push myself, and I find that rare. Sorry if it's gonna sound bad, but I find that rare in women. I don't mm-hmm. know. If there's not enough competition. I've been around with women, but Professor Fabi's like Shh, let's do work and very savage, yeah. very savage, and that's why she keeps up or, or beats us all the time. Yeah. And I just love it so. It's very rare. Even even some of the guys are like, Psh. I've never seen some other guys like turn it on like she does. So yeah. there's do you, that savage side. Do you have a lot of young female students like under the age of like 12? Or is it mostly boys? Yes. Yeah. No, I, uh, sometimes my classes I have more girls than boys. Is that new? Has that changed in the last few years? or? Um, I think because I'm a female instructor that drains a little bit more the girls. Mm. Um, but yes... In in Brazil, I use it, I use it I use it to be the only girl training. So I think now people understand that Jiu-Jitsu doesn't have um, to be only the bo- bo- for boys. Fighting or defending yourself doesn't have only to be for boys. Girls can do it too. But I think because I'm a female instructor, we get more girls to stay. Um, but we do have a lot of guys too and uh, the boys the little boys competing and 
training. Um, yeah. I, I think going back to JC's point, there's a cultural thing, and it's probably worldwide. You know, over the last 50 years, of as women have gotten more involved in sports, and it's become more common. Just you know, it's not one of those things where it's oh, it's a girl playing the sports. If you're a dad, you're and you have a little girl, they're going to play sports now. It's mm-hmm. not something that's a big deal. Um, so I, I, I think that has changed to some degree because I, I find most of the women I know are at least exercising to some degree and doing something physical, whether they're doing a martial art or not. They're, it's, it's not so much of a, um, I don't say taboo, but it's not uncommon to find women who whether it's running, lifting yes. weights, martial arts whatever sport it's it's a lot more prevalent now and and i think it's good just to, as in general as being a physical therapist i'm all about people being mobile uh-huh. and moving and not being uh, uh, sedentary so whatever way it gets done I'm, i i think it's a good thing especially in the modern world where people are becoming more and more sedentary i feel like in the last like five years there's become this big push to not be sedentary to get up and move yes. and whatever and i think that's really good because the number one thing I see as a PT is uh, chronic pain, mm-hmm. and a lot of times it's, it's there's an injury that happens and people stop moving because it hurts to move a little bit, and mm-hmm. they then they get used to not moving again, and they're afraid to move because they don't want the injury to happen, and then yeah. they just get into this rut where they get stuck in it. That actually brings up another question: um, How do you do like preventative maintenance for like injuries? <laughs> do you have a, a workout routine you do for like stretching? <laughs> is there, do you do yoga or do you cross train with anything else? Yeah, I do um, CrossFit, but that doesn't prevent me from injuries. <laughs> now I'm doing more um, yoga too. Okay. Uh, but um, I'm very fortunate to never had a big injury. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to do it. I never had a huge injury. I did have a niece, um, knee surgery on both knees, but nothing that big I believe I, I had um, the first time I had my knee surgery yes it was a big one but I was younger so I came back quickly sure. and now I had um, in November I had uh, meniscus um, in my right knee and I came back in one month I was doing um, crossfit and training again but I never had anything big so when now I feel something I kind of slow down and stop training for a little bit. Um, Jiu-jitsu are just preventing, carrying more, but I don't do anything more than that. I should. <laughs> and I, that's why, like, JC is going to school for that, <laughs> yeah, so he can, so he can <laughs> take care of me. <laughs> I, I, I've noticed it's... I'm going to be 36 in May, and in the last two years, I've really noticed that when I strain something, because I tend to work out not always... Um, intelligently yeah. and I'll push through things uh, and the last two years I've noticed I have it takes a little bit longer to recover and like in particular the last probably month I have had an Achilles mm-hmm. issue like a tendonitis issue and I couldn't figure out what it was and I don't run all the time I usually try to run three or four times a week I'll do at least two miles um, mostly because my wife has become a runner and she's really putting me to shame because she's gonna, she's working on doing a 10k at the moment. So uh-huh. I, I try to keep up with, with her to some degree. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and my my heel in the morning it would just kill me. It was almost not plantar fasciitis. It was all in the back of my heel. And as a PT, I didn't want to go ask the doctor for 
consult for physical therapy because I feel like I take care of it myself. Um, but I, I was almost to the point of, of calling the doctor for it, a consult to go see a physical therapist because I couldn't fi- figure it out. And I finally started just breaking down what I was doing differently. And I figured out I was doing, uh, a patient of mine had turned me on to this workout program called complexing. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have a lot of time, it's basically where you do it's like CrossFit. It's like a circuit, a type of circuit training where you do a workout, but you don't ever put the bar or the weight down. Mm-hmm. You do every motion back to back to back. It's usually six to eight reps, four to six exercises, but without putting the weight down. Mm-hmm. And I was doing reverse lunges with about 35-pound dumbbells, N- not explosively, just you know, slow and controlled, but I don't really do a lot of reverse lunges. Mm-hmm. And I finally put that. That with the running seemed to really piss off my heel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I... T- I Got rid of the running. I just strictly do kettlebell stuff at the moment, and I'm doing a lot of you know, rehab on myself. And I got rid of the reverse lunges, loaded reverse lunges, and it's slowly getting better. So <laughs> I had to kind of break down what I was doing and then and tell myself to slow down and stop pushing through because I had the pain started, but I just kept doing the workout no matter what, yes. and it just kept flaring up, flaring up. And jiu jitsu is good because you can always adapt. So if you have a shoulder, you don't use the shoulder. Mm-hmm. You do something else if. You um, broken thumb. Yeah, you, you got to yeah. hide your hand. <laughs> that is always a way of adapting, so um, it helps. And I train with people lighter. I don't train um, craze. Yeah, if you have a good training partner, you can tell them, "Hey, my hand hurts" or something. And if they're if they're respectful, then they won't attack yeah. the hand. If they're not, then. They might go full blast and, and break your hand. And yeah, but <laughs> usually, uh, the, once again, it depends on the school. Yes. So if you have a mature school like like we do, it's great. They they're respectful. Um, some schools they feel like there's a competition every day. Yes. So there always has to be a winner and a loser. Uh, luckily, we don't have that. All right. Are we back? Yeah. Tacos, tacos, frijoles, frijoles. There <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we go. Okay, um, it's I don't know what time you. It's eight fifteen. I don't know if we know. I can go. Yeah. It'll be more. Okay. So dealing with all these uh, awesome people, what's something you've learned dealing with people in general, like parents or students? Yes. or I'm pretty sure because you see everything. You know, for the business, like I was saying, um, first year were more me. Um, we have been open for almost four years, and the first year was for me learning how to um, say no. Say no to traveling, say no to a couple opportunities that I had, competition, and staying here. Second year was more managing um, people, how to learn, how to to motivate each person differently. Because at the school you have people from all walks, and you have to talk to them differently. Sometimes you have to uh, push them little bit harder sometimes you have to uh, encourage them in another way sometimes they are too aggressive you have to calm them down um, and the third year was more like the parent kid instructor relationship so a lot of times the parents want to um, talk when it's the time for the kids training mm. and where a coach should be talking so um, what I did learn is you have to be kinder to people because you never know why they are that way. Why are they so shy or why are they so aggressive? Um, especially working with ladies, 
that um, I have had cases of ladies that have had any trauma before. Some type of harassment or yes. something. Yes. Yeah. And I even like my military guys, sometimes I'm like, like go slow and they didn't understand what's slow on their mind because they are they were trained to go hard all the mm -hmm. time. So um, I did. I, I liked studying a lot about psychology and how to deal with people and how to deal with kids. I have a lot of kids that have ADHD and um, autistic, and so I I felt I needed more information to help me to teach um so yeah so that's what i learned to not judge right away or because in brazil we say oh this people is crazy this person is crazy <laughs> whatever come on man yeah. why are you doing that like he's crazy we call everybody crazy yeah. everybody's crazy and here i learned that there are names there <laughs> for each situation there are people you know? that really are crazy yeah, yeah. like that they, they have been through stuff in their life that make them how they are right now yeah. so me as instructor i have to kind of understand and um do my best to have the best environment for them you so know that kind of brings me up to your, my next point so you're kind of a jujitsu coach slash psychologist i would think so because <laughs> uh, personally speaking professor knows a lot about my family yes. and my personal hardships uh -huh. but i'm pretty sure a lot of people come to borrow me. your ear yes and so does that take a toll on you knowing so sometimes, much sometimes um sometimes it's the whole week i have more to people that come to me and throw all their energy into me. Okay, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good on not keeping the energy myself, but sometimes I'm having some Your struggles too. I'm like, whoa, okay, now I need a wine, <laughs> <laughs> or now I need to go dance, yeah. or then I. But I go train and I relax a little bit and. Yeah. Maybe I, I'm helping somebody. I like the feeling. Sorry, I keep throwing the name in there. Sophisticated savage, but <laughs> professor's definitely sophisticated. She's uh, she's seen me cry, so mm. she's been my psychologist. And she's seen me get choked out. She's yeah. my she's choked me. You know? She's both. <laughs> but it's as a physical therapist. Um, when I was in school, they were they had a, a part of a class where they taught us or had us think about uh, uh, PTSD. Mm -hmm. Especially when you're dealing with opposite sex. As a male therapist, there's lots of times when, when I have a female patient where I have to really be cognizant of, even if I don't, if, if they have PTSD diagnosed or not, I just try to assume they might, and maybe it's not diagnosed, yes. or maybe they had a bad experience with the male, or who knows. I don't know anything. So just I, by touching her. Yes. Right? Or even just how I'm like, if I'm, I try to be cognizant of where I place myself in relation to where she's sitting, or, yeah. or even, even with males too, because a lot of the patients I work with have male and female both have uh, trauma in their history and so I try to make sure that they sit not right in front of me where they don't have an exit yes. a lot of times if they feel like they're trapped it, it they feel uncomfortable so I yeah. try to sit off to the side so they have an open exit to leave at any point in time I try to be really cognizant of, of before I touch them I yeah. give them like, I'm gonna I need to you know touch you here so I gotta palpate and feel if there's anything in the, in the muscle and I always try to give them plenty of heads up so that they don't feel um, shocked by situation, and, yeah. and then when I catch myself when I when I haven't given enough information and they f they kind of jump a little bit, I'm always like, okay, you didn't do a good job, giving them a heads up, 
telling them what's going to happen and, and what they're expecting yeah. And, yeah. and it's male and female but primarily being opposite sex because you know, lawsuits and all that you, I, you need to be cognizant because you don't know what they're taking yes. out of the situation that, that, that you didn't have that intention but they're that's what they're receiving out of it yeah. so and, and on the same thing being a, a psychologist because of the way the healthcare system here works a lot of times the patients don't really get a chance to f- sit and talk to their physicians and sometimes they don't have access to mental health uh, services based on whatever their insurance company pays yeah. for. So there's a lot of times that mental health is not covered by their insurance. And as a PT, I find myself sometimes, I spend usually 45 minutes to an hour with patients, and they'll decompress with me and tell me things that they probably mm-hmm. need to talk to a psychologist for. Yes. And you become that, and not with any training, and I'm in, as I have to say for my license, I don't give them yeah. feedback as a psychologist, but you become basically a sponge yeah. for them to tell you everything while they're doing their exercises. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. You don't want to hear it. I mean, I, I, you hear stuff, you're just like, I, I probably don't want to hear this. And, and if you're having a bad day, it can definitely be draining for you. And so finding mm-hmm. ways to to get rid of that energy yes. is helpful and my for me it's either through martial arts working out and I like also like to read mm-hmm. or, or do something that's not related to PT to, yes. and to decompress um, yeah. and so it, and it's a struggle because I, I try to be really cognizant not to bring that home to yes. my wife and kid because yes. then they have no idea what happened at work yes. and they're they're just mm-hmm. there and if I take mm-hmm. that home with them um, then it just it perpetuates the cycle yeah. and coming from a family a lot of families in America mine in particular there's alcoholism in the family mm-hmm. and so my, my dad in particular did a good job of stopping that cycle um, in his own family mm-hmm. where you know, issues that he had with his, my grandfather his father he didn't pass it on to me. I had a, yeah. I had a fairly blessed childhood. I mean, I, my, both my parents, they're divorced, but very smooth at home. Yeah. You didn't live in the favelas? No, 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 no. <laughs> That's okay. No, people here have a hardship too. But overall, I mean, it's very smooth. And my parents did a good job of not taking yeah. the nonsense that may have happened they in their life. They broke the cycle or the, the tree yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not that my family like, was a crazy, but just whatever things that you pass on to your kids, I, I try to be cognizant not to pass that on to my kid. Yeah. <laughs> just because it's a habit or because I'm not thinking about yeah. what I'm doing in front of him. So. I think I did break that um, cycle from the favelas. I didn't know. I think, no, I did break the cycle of... Um, See, my mom didn't get pregnant so young, um, but a lot of moms get pregnant young, and their kids get pregnant young, Mm -hmm. and so on. So now having, my family were, my dad were, um, even though my mom and dad didn't have formal education, they wanted the best for us. And me hanging out with their um, bosses, would be nice because I would see, oh, that's how a rich family lives, mm-hmm. and that's how a poor family lives. So, like, which one do you want to be? You know, so yeah. go to school. Um, but yeah, jujitsu also is a very close contact sport, so you do feel that vulnerability with your partner. So people are more vulnerable to open up about their lives, about the struggle, about everything that's happening with them you know sure yeah i i, I get that i can mm-hmm. see that i and and uh and muay thai with the clinch too um if we, you don't start clinching for probably the first two years mm-hmm. in the system but um when it happens you you develop a i mean it's, it's you have to be you comfortable each other's eyes <laughs> <laughs> and, and sometimes if, especially if you're people who have you know it's it's when you're sweaty 
and you're yeah. you know face to face and you're yanking on each other and trying to you know touch each other around it's it's a very intimate experience and yeah. if, if, I think you have to have a level of trust there and then you mm-hmm. can, the the people who have gone with me through the the same level I'm at you definitely develop this bond over time and I'm not always I'm kind of a shy person so sometimes it takes me forever to kind of warm up people yeah. but over time it's just all of a sudden they become um, unknowingly a family to some degree that um, I always tell my wife too sometimes family doesn't always have to be your blood it yes. can be close friends and people you meet along mm-hmm. the way that end up being closer than some of the family you have you know mm-hmm. and, and I, that's one aspect I like in martial arts but just even in sports in general because I still yeah. have friends in, in, from basketball that um, I still talk to today and, and it's, it's a good thing about sports that, that mm-hmm. I think uh, is missing that makes me think about you do you still have contact with old friends and, and sounds bad but compare like hey I've I've come here and they stayed there. Yeah, I try not to compare. Um, well, it's just natural. Just the fact I'm assuming that you go back and visit them. Yeah, and so you see in it in Brazil. I, um, I do have a lot of girlfriends from um, from school, high school, and college. Um, but my best friends, um, she also is a black belt. Oh. One of my best friends, I have to say that. Otherwise, all the others would be like, oh. <laughs> One of them. <laughs> she better be talking about me. <laughs> yeah, she's also a black belt, and she has her own school. So we do have, she also comes from what, the favelas of Rio. So we do have... A, Similar stories. Yes. Okay. So we connect a lot. Um, but when I go to Brazil, usually I train a lot at Grace Barra. Um there and I have the friends there. Is it the the Jajuca or the Bahá da Tijuca? Yeah. So, yeah, but I have some girlfriends um, from high school that we connected a lot, and a lot of people that started jujitsu with me in um, the social, the non-profit. Okay. They nowadays they do still train with. Uh, work with jiu-jitsu some are in qatar some state in brazil some actually are doing a giving back doing the social project in rio Um, well has has that program um kind of uh helped you i know i know you pay it forward i know you pay it forward but um is it is it something that you did naturally, or is it because of the program you pay for it a lot more than usual? Is it something you've naturally always done? It's a culture in Brazil thing. Hey, I help you, you help me. We're all happy family. Or is it something you always wanted to do? You know, my mom and my dad, he will take food out from his plate to give to others. That's how he is. If, um, if there is some construction outside and um, he comes bring water, he brings food. Hey, guys, come eat. So I have seen a lot that my dad. So you were raised that way. Yes, my dad and my mom are very giving person. So I cannot say that oh it was for me. No, I have seen my mom people going through surgery and my mom cooking for them. No, I'm gonna take food for them all this week. They had a business in Brazil which was selling food. So sometimes people would come in. My dad would go to the kitchen get food and hey let's eat. Or take food for people that um, were struggling. Um, so I grew up seeing that. I, I, I find it awesome due to the fact that like um, you're not coming from wealth, but mm-hmm. you have 
this character or you built this character from what you saw that your parents taught you so yeah. you don't need money to learn all these things no it's really what you see and i think that's amazing because you could have turned out a whole different way like yes. a lot of people do like here in san antonio for example i know people that have turned the other way so i think that's amazing so it goes back to like what you see with your parents and whatnot yeah. so i think my parents had a very strong foundation for me of loving caring even though they didn't have I think what society wants, like they didn't have education, they didn't have a car, um, we didn't live in the prettiest house, but they, my dad, he was an entrepreneur. I did see him um, um, hunting for a better life. So he did uh, work as a server, but then he got the opportunity to buy a land and he built up a um, um, bar, um, restaurant, and the house on top, and then he bought some small small houses to to rent out. So he didn't have that vision, nice. even though he didn't have school, even though he didn't know how to read that much. So I I believe I'm very I learned a lot by seeing, and I always learned a lot by seeing my parents. And my mom always was a hard worker, you know waking up early uh, she would be the first one to get up the last one to sleep so I, I did learn a lot from them on that aspect and everything else here is easy for me because the only hard thing for me here is having to stay away from family mm-hmm. not having family to okay it's the weekend let's get together sure. that would be the hardest part something very common in, in Brazil in yeah, um, Latin. Well, I don't know, maybe even no. And it's something different <laughs> for me because marrying into a, a Mexican family, my family was not. We get together on the major holidays, yeah. But on Sundays, my mom and I was usually watching football or shopping. Yeah. And if my grandma had a birthday, a few times a month, maybe we go eat with my grandmother. But my uh, my father in law, he he likes having Sunday, Sunday yeah. lunch, and when it doesn't happen, he, he it. Yeah. It gets irritating for him. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, especially because we're all in the same city. So, yeah, that's been something, and I and I enjoy that. You know, I don't. I, it's it's nice to get together, but it's interesting seeing the different cultures. But I think talking about your parents, it's, I I'm not necessarily a vocal leader. I try to lead by example, mm-hmm. and my my mom was kind of the same way. She never told me you have to do it this way, um, and she didn't let me get away with anything. Mm-hmm. She was, you know, she had discipline, but she just set a good example of a strong work, especially as a single mom. She always, she, I never heard her complain about anything. She she went and did her job. I think the, her main thing was focusing on making sure that I didn't become a statistic of the son of a single mother mm-hmm. um, and whatever pitfalls that might in, in, encompass. And so a lot of times my work ethic probably comes from my mom because she just, and a lot of times she just, you just got to get up in the morning and do what you got to do. Yes. Bottom line. And it's fun talking about my dad and my mom because they're kind of polar opposites because my dad's kind of a hippie mm-hmm. and very uh, <laughs> free. Just like he do whatever you want, son. It's you know your life, and, and it's good. You have a little yeah. bit of dreaming to it. Um, but my mom is very practical. It's like that's great, but you're not going to live at home forever. Yeah, <laughs> you got to go do something, and and this, to have that balance of um, a parent that was very practical and like you you know. You know, it's good to have dreams, but you need to also have something that you a plan. apply, a plan, yeah. and a way to, to take care of yourself. And then at the same time, being encouraged to to also reach for whatever goal you want, um, whether it's an achievable goal or not. You know, as long as you have a, a plan to carry it yes. out. And that, I think that parents at least can lead by example. And I think also it's important to have 
you know, parents that, um, especially when you when you're not always there because you're having to work all the time, being able to set an example so that they see that you're not just there because you're out partying, yeah. you're working to try to provide yeah. for you or for your kid. That's important. As well. And I would go to my mom's job and I would see her working and cleaning houses. And sometimes I would go out with her boss, but um, but you know, one time somebody told me like, "Oh, your mom cleaned somebody's house, and then she needs to come back home and clean the house you're staying at. Why don't you clean your house?" I'm like, "Yes, why don't I clean my house? Since my mom is working all day cleaning house, yeah. so I think I had that. I am, I have that personality that I listen to people." Mm-hmm. Um, you listen to advice. I listen to advice. Okay. And I I learn from from um, others' mistakes instead of I do mistakes too. Don't get me wrong, but some mistakes you're like, oh, you already got that, so uh, I'm not gonna fall on that mistake, you know. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I I try to be uh, aware of what other mistakes people have yes. made, so I don't fall in the same hole. But at the same time. You you learn best by making mistakes. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. It, we learn best by getting choked out or, yeah, or you know punching the punching face. the face and hurting yourself. <laughs> you just don't do it the next time. I'll be honest. I'm guilty of uh, not listening to advice when I was younger. <laughs> but now that I I believe I'm more mature, it's, yeah. it's it's a good thing. It's a it's a skill. I listen to the advice of people that been through it. What I want to accomplish. So that I, I I keep wanting to ask you so. Growing up, you saw your mom, but then you saw the rich people. Mm-hmm. So, would you say you were motivated to get out of there, or would you say that you were you had a fear of being stuck there? Was it a fear of I'm scared of being here, I want to leave, or I'm motivated, I want the better life for myself? Do you, do you distinguish a difference? Or? I think I was motivated because I, I studied in public school and up to the fifth grade, and on the sixth grade. Um, I went to a private school because of Jiu-Jitsu. I got a scholarship through Jiu-Jitsu for a private school. So then the girls start to talk like, oh, I'm doing this task to be, uh, to study in the Marines. Or I'm like, I never heard about it. So it it opened it possibility for me. Okay, so I can do that too. How do I do that? Uh, okay, you have to apply on this day and do a test. Like, okay, so let me try it. But um, I don't know. I just felt I, I knew it that there's a better life. Out yes, there, and there was a better life. People would have the money to buy their food, whatever they want to eat, or whichever clothes they want. That's wanted. amazing, right? Like, uh, <laughs> it sounds like a bad story, but I remember when I was little, my mom took me to McDonald's. And uh, she's like, what do you want? I was like, well, I want a Big Mac and some fries or whatever. And then uh, I was like, are you going to get anything? She's like, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good. And then she ate one of my fries and I got mad. (laughs) Mom, what are you doing? Those are my fries. (laughs) And now that I'm older, it's like, I understand she didn't have the money. She's like, I only have money to feed my kid. And I'm over here being a greedy little fat kid. I'm mad that you stole my fry. Mm -hmm. But yet I just realized, damn, like... I barely had a couple of cents just to feed yeah. you. But she didn't even get mad. She loves you. She's your mom. Blah, yeah. blah. So I think that's amazing that like, hey, if I want to go buy something, I can actually afford it and buy yeah. it. So 
Yeah, that's crazy. And then on that store too, we I remember we would go to the store. We would put all the cookies and yogurt on the cart, and my mama would take it out <laughs> one by one. <laughs> yeah, like she would leave us there, and by the restaurant, she would take it out, mm. or we would buy clothes. We would buy food. First thing she would see would be the price. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be if it's cute, it's good. No, what's the price? Okay, yeah. now. So I didn't want that. Yeah. Even though right now I'm not a very consumist person, I don't buy stuff crazy. But um, I feel good right now if I want to eat a good risotto and pay. I nice don't know. Or I will steak, do it. Yeah. Or if I, if I want a, a, a jacket. That I still don't do it, but shoes. You don't, you don't have to check the bank account. <laughs> yes, I don't have to check. What's the price? No, do I like it? Is it is it uh, useful for what I need? Then I buy it. But um, I think right now I don't have to say to look in what's the price. Yeah, you know, I should do it because <laughs> I think that's my back of my mind. Yeah, but. Sometimes I take the most expensive because that's the one I like it. But what, would you say you appreciate that jacket more now the fact that you've seen you've gone to where like I couldn't even buy cookies when I was growing up. Yeah. Now I can buy a jacket if I really want it. Yeah. Do you appreciate it more? Or? Yeah, I do. Like I, I appreciate the feeling of like, okay, you're going to get it. What do you like or what do you need? Not what you can afford mm-hmm. or what, yeah. Yeah. I, I've noticed that uh, Amazon makes it really bad because they have like a one-click buy. Uh huh. <laughs> I, I like to read books a lot, and sometimes I'll buy books, and I I buy them so quick that I don't read the ones in front of it. And when we were planning for the baby, my wife had to kind of put her foot down, like you need to stop buying. We had no room to buy more books, and I just it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, that's a cool book, and and Amazon makes it so easy. I don't necessarily always look at the price. It's just like yeah. one click, one click, and then I have to like realize some of that is just the impulse buying you have to kind of yeah. dive back up. time to read books with the kid <laughs> I, I by saying no to certain things i'm finding that i have more time to read uh for pleasure now so that's I'm, good i'm making time balance, for that. Yeah. Yeah. balance although the book i'm reading now is about climate change and it's quite depressing so. <laughs> especially having kids yes <laughs> to backtrack a little bit and i don't know if you want to get into this but how do you feel with the American political atmosphere with you becoming a a citizen and mm-hmm. with our current president? Do you feel any of that or you just try to stay out of it completely and avoid it? Does, or does it make you sad that he actually wants to close as many borders as possible, make mm-hmm. it more difficult? I stay out of it. Um, I shouldn't, but I, I'm not a very uh, crit- good with cri- critical thinking, you know? So... Um, I, I'm not political. Uh, politics is not your thing. No politics, and even in jiu-jitsu, or I try to avoid anything that's politic. I'm very uh, human. Even person. at home, like in Brazil, you don't yeah, follow any of it. No, I try to avoid <laughs> too much, <laughs> too much negative. No, I agree. I try to be that's on the more positive. That energy you probably don't need. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I'm guilty of it too. So. I don't blame you. No, I'm, I'm bad because my mom always had NPR or some news program uh-huh, going. So uh-huh. I, That's as far as I go, NPR. I, I constantly watch news feeds and not necessarily 
for an, to have an opinion, but I, it's just ingrained in me. So I'm always constantly. Mm-hmm. It's not always political stuff. I like I like listening to um, topics on science and sports yeah. and like that. But I, I, watching the evening news, I have to, I've had to stop because I don't like watching news anymore because it's just constantly like. I don't have a TV. Um, oh, cool. I have a TV, but that's for Netflix. Sure, right? it, it, I watch whatever I want to watch. I, I always thought <laughs> one of the great experiences of my life was when my wife and I decided to cut cable. We were cutting our satellite for the first time. We've, we've since gone back because it was cheaper for internet purposes. But um, we had Dish at one point in time, and we decided we were only watching like four channels. Yeah. Um, Bravo was one of them. But. Uh, when I got to call Dish and string them along, because I was I was going to cancel no matter what, and they were trying to like save me as a customer. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, I just want these like twelve channels, and like, well, we can give you this package. Like, no, I want the package. I want this. Like, I want <laughs> yeah. these travel. And so, it was a good experience, uh, and it felt <laughs> really uh, uh, liberating because a lot of times, especially now, you can you know pick and choose what you want to watch. And Netflix and Hulu yeah. and Amazon have so many shows, and there's so many shows now that. I can't keep track of them all, and so yeah. by the time I get around to watching them, they've already, you know, ended their run on the regular TV, and I you can catch up on Netflix or. Something. And I feel that um, TV makes you lazy. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't read your book. You're gonna go watch TV, so yeah. you're not gonna go for a run or workout. You're gonna stay watching TV. Sure. So I try to avoid. Okay, That's but good. what's your favorite show, though? <laughs> I like documentaries. Oh. Documents about healthy and. Um, at, on Netflix, they have those like um, from the 1970s, 1980s, and 200. So I like history and um, um, healthy, and stuff like in the, yeah, healthy yeah. stuff too. And my my father in law loves documentaries, but he's real big into uh, like World War II. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, my wife and I tend to watch uh, we watch some documentaries, but then we'll bounce back and forth. Now with the baby, it's, we try to find things that are thirty minutes long. Uh-huh. So it's yeah, minutes yeah. Long, we'll watch that because that gives gives us time to like watch a little short thing, put him asleep, and then go yes. to sleep or whatever it is. So we've been watching. Um, I forget what uh, uh, Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, what is that one on Netflix? Someone Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> you got me. But, but yeah. I actually cut Netflix for a little bit for that reason. I'm in school right now. So yes. Don't want to bore y'all. Yes. So, anyways, yeah. My time is very limited between kids and school and. And the wife. Wife. Yeah, she's somewhere in there. <laughs> <laughs> I admire you guys that have kids and wife and. Yeah. Life. For for a long time, we weren't planning on having kids, and then, uh, like two years ago, we. Both can. She came to it independently. We had a conversation, and it was like, "Oh yeah, that's, that's for." But for a long time, we're, we're not going to have kids. Wait, uh-huh. you said she came upon it independently, <laughs> like we together. We weren't, we weren't talking about. It Where were time. you in this part? <laughs> but like she, like we were, we had talked about it when we first got married about not having kids at all. Yeah. And then over the years, she, I guess, it was 2017 that summer. She was thinking about it, and I happened to be thinking at the same time, just not even talking to her about it. And then when she brought it up to me, yeah, when she brought it up to me, it was like, oh, well, yeah, of course, like it's. it's she time. decided to have a kid. You're gonna have a kid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not much you can do about it. <laughs> Once again, more than welcome to cut. Or do you want kids? You want I do. Oh. That's like I can talk about that. Okay. I do. I love kids. I love working with kids, and I think that's why this school is so big on kids because I love working with kids. Um, I do want a three. Let's see how that goes. But you three. What? 
Three kids. You want three? That's a good number. I hear some ridiculous numbers like I want five. No. I'm like, uh, first have one. One. Yeah, then, that's our, that's my yeah, plan. Yeah. One first and then we shall see. But I think I will do with kids. But I do want um, my parents being able to come here yeah. so I can have a little help. <laughs> yes, we, we have, well, obviously the grandma's babysitting right now. That's been helpful. And yeah. having two sets of grandparents in the neighborhood is helpful a lot my father-in-law has helped us out um, my wife works part-time um, as a physical therapy assistant and he mm-hmm. comes over and babysits so we've had to we've gotten to avoid daycare which yes. is uh, super expensive yes. so I'm very thankful for that because we had at one point talked about possibly moving outside the state just to uh-huh. just kind of experience another city Yeah, um, but I'm glad we didn't because that would have been real difficult yeah. so is there a time frame we have coach? well as a woman I think we all have some time frame <laughs> um but probably in two years. Yeah. yeah. I plan like on 32. So back to this love life in two years. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just, no, no, just joking. We'll just joking. It will happen when it's, happen, when it's time to happen. I'm not on a rush. When there's the opportunity. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> when it's the opportunity, I'll use There's that theme it. again. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, let's be sophisticated. And yeah. then whenever it's, whenever it's time to be savage. There you go. You're going to be savage. <laughs> I love it. No, actually, that, that was one of the things uh, me and my wife did. Uh, she wanted kids right away. Yeah. We were, uh, I got married when I was 21. She was 20. Whoa. So, yeah. She went right. I was like, "Whoa, calm down." Luckily, we traveled the world. Mm-hmm. Now we're we had them when we were thirty. I was thirty. She was twenty nine, and now she thanks me every day. Like, thank yes. God, you know, we had time to know, got to yeah. you know, travel the world and whatnot. So. I'm thankful that I didn't have kids uh, early. Like some of the kids, look, some, some of the people of you're talking the, about. Yes, yeah. like all the girls that I had our um, when we were nine, eight. They all had no not that age. Oh, okay. I was like, <laughs> but the girls that I hang out when I was eight, nine, okay. ten, all of them have kids. And they had kids when they were sixteen, seventeen. Sometimes their kid uh, the dad was a drug dealer. Mm. So I'm thankful that I didn't have that kind of kid. And on my twins I enjoy it a lot. I travel a lot. Mm-hmm. And I get to experience things and now today I was actually talking to a friend and um I told him since I didn't do up to now, now I'm gonna wait <laughs> a bit longer and make sure I have um the kid when it's time to have, you yeah. know. I, I we had our well, my wife one of the impulses for having the baby at the time was uh, she was coming up on on age thirty five, which yeah, is a big number, yeah. and so she was. We actually just by sheer chance, um, it happened real quick, and she we squeezed in the kid a month before she turned thirty five. <laughs> so sorry, <laughs> but she turned thirty five a month after we had the baby, mm-hmm. and uh, and we've been married almost ten years now. We've been together like as a couple, almost seventeen, mm-hmm. and it's. Very helpful having kids later because we got yes. to experience and we got to grow as a couple. Mm-hmm. We got to go through all the nonsense of puppy love mm-hmm. and then yes. the phases of figuring out like okay now I have to deal with this idiot I married yeah. Dylan. <laughs> Put your name in there. <laughs> His bad habits and and but I can still be around him. Okay, he's, yeah. he's good enough to be a father. And but you get through all that stuff and then now having a kid um, later in life. I said later in life, I'm like 35, but um, <laughs> it's it's. Very helpful because I'm yeah. more focused, and then there is a. I mean, there's a 
drastic change in time mm-hmm. commitment and um uh, it's all the focus is all on him to something, yeah. you know without ex- forgetting your own you know happiness and, and, and yourself but i'm able to focus on him and not feel like i'm missing out on well, something are, one of the things that i think y'all both have that i don't have right now that i'm working on is y'all both have the career or the schools mm-hmm. y'all have a, a financial system and plan that does make it a little bit more easier to to be with the kids right now i'm struggling the total opposite my kids are like why aren't you playing with this like well i gotta go do my homework mm-hmm. i gotta study i gotta go to work you know so on and so on so it's not a bad thing and, and i and i also believe once again being biased having kids when you're an older person you're more mature yeah oh what are you gonna feed your kid what sport you're gonna put your kid at who you're gonna leave your kids with yeah so i think um I'm on that point, like, okay, now, I, now, right now, I don't want a kid, because I want to make sure I have, I know we can't have all figured out, but I want to make sure I have little most, things yeah. figured out, so when they come, I can give all my attention, my priority will be them, mm-hmm. so like I did with the school, my priority was the school, I don't want my kids um, not being my priority, you know? But I think to your point, because... When you had the kids, your wife was in the military, and you were kind of the stay-at-home parent. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that initial stage with the kids was very, very, very important. But crucial, yeah. now that they're getting older, and they're able to recognize what you're doing down the road, they're going to see as an example of like, okay, you can do multiple things and still mm-hmm. be present for them. Yeah. And as an example of okay, you know, dad waited to have a career later in life so he could take care of us. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's you know, it's, it's stressful. Yeah. It's different, but it's still an example. You're still teaching yeah. them. That's hard work. And we can't let society lead us. Who right. said that it has to be one By way? Yes, and, yes. Yeah. As long as it works for you, yeah. I, I, you know, do so, do what so. you want. Do everyone it. to their own. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, people. The way my wife and I live our life might not work. For, we have a, for example, we have a tiny home. We have a like it's a, it's a, not that it's not that kind of tiny home. <laughs> it's still tiny. It's still tiny. It, we, we actually went one point and talked about having a, a tiny. I home. love a tiny but home. But we, we realized it was too small. Our our home is about a thousand square foot. Mm-hmm. And for some people I know, that's like yeah, what? it's a bedroom. <laughs> Are we gonna have kids? Let's have a house. Yeah. 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 And then it's like, well, then you're working to pay for that extra thousand square foot and the energy bills in and fact, the yard. I went to dinner last night with some friends, and they only have one kid and they're planning to have a second but just because of the fact that they're already having planning to have a second they have a huge house now just because of sheer fact that they're planning they're already looking for a new house right now yeah as a bigger house and then you miss the connection the love that connection of a a thousand square foot you're gonna have dinner together you're gonna be together yeah you can't get away from me i'm yeah right yeah i'm in your room yeah (laughs) so yeah each person is different. We sometimes fall in the society um, how they want us to be, but how well, they want to be. That's weird because, uh, like, um, luckily, you know, we, we referred to it earlier. My father was always away. He was a truck driver, but he made a lot of money. Mm. And uh, since he made a lot of money, we had a bigger house. I had a, a better life than my brothers and sisters because, you know, they were before me. And we had the bigger house, and we weren't very connected. Mm-hmm. And then my wife, on the other hand, she was in a very poor family, uh, favela-like here mm-hmm. in San Antonio. And that's actually one thing I admired about her family. When I'd go to like their picnics, they're like super close. Yeah. And it was something that I didn't have in yeah. my family. I could see like, you know, it was it was it was cool. And I think that's one of the reasons I actually fell in love with her was mm-hmm. because you know, 
they had a very close-knit love family mm-hmm. and then my family total opposite we're like hey i'll call you in like five yeah. years yeah uh, hey in fact this is sad but my brother comes over he wants to say goodbye to the kids my kids because he's moving to philadelphia and my kids are like i don't even know you like uh-huh. who is that so goes to show you how close we are, you yeah. know. That's so marri- there's, there's nothing wrong. Well, I would say married into a family like my wife's, which is more family oriented. I shouldn't say more. Uh, they get to get the, yeah, something. close to that maybe. Yeah. I have a half brother on my dad's side, and uh, he lives in in Europe. And sometimes I catch myself. I'm so used to being an only child one with my mom that I I catch myself as I've gotten older, like oh, I need to actually like. <laughs> make more of an effort a connection because it was easy when, when we were together in the summertime when I was with my dad because mm-hmm. he was there and then when I went to school I got a little older and I, I'm I, I don't selfish is the wrong word I can be a little too focused on and myopic on like getting out of school getting mm-hmm. a job and you kind of forget that like, especially if you don't come from a family that's super close knit like making sure you're you know staying in contact with other family members and now that he's actually living in uh, Amsterdam he's moved overseas he really enjoys living in Europe it's I have to really be cognizant to, to try to contact him more often. It's usually through text message on mm-hmm. Facebook. Um, but I want to make sure that I don't set an example for my son where he doesn't know who his, his uncle is. So, yeah. and, my, and my dad lives in Vermont, don't too. Don't blame so. me. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, and my dad lives in Vermont, too. So I, you know, I've, I caught myself today. I was like, I don't, need, I don't call my dad enough on FaceTime so you mm-hmm. can see the grandkids. Mm-hmm. I, I've been really trying to make an effort to, to send more pictures and do FaceTime a little bit more so that... Um, Break the cycle. When, yeah, when we go see... <laughs> when we go visit, it's not that, oh, who's this strange person? Yeah. It's my grandfather. I may not have seen him in person, but we've seen him on video through FaceTime. So are you close to your sister? I am. Like we talk, um, I would say almost every day. And she has a daughter now, so she sent videos of her judo and ballet classes and judo and ballet. Savage, <laughs> right there. I can do it. So I can do it. <laughs> yeah. So it's, we are very close together. Even though we are not from the same dad and mom, she's only a daughter of my mom. We do have that connection together. And living apart, I think, made us actually closer together. Okay. When we were living um, at the same city, we weren't that close. But living in different state and made us appreciate each other more. Does she still live in Brazil? Or she yes, yes. Any plans for her to come follow your footsteps in some sort of way? Uh, I don't know. It's complicated for them to come here. Since um, my parents never been here, my sister never been here. I never had a. I, I do have a family member now. She, my cousin, she's here. Um, here in San Antonio, or here in the states. In Austin, yeah, okay. in the states. And um, but my parents never came. So now that I'm a citizen, I can apply for them to come and visit, okay. not to leave, but just visit. Yeah. Uh, and maybe someday my sister. But um, we shall see. It's complicated because they still don't have a lot of money. In Brazil, yeah. where I believe for my parents, I can prove that I can pay for their tickets, I can pay for their stay here, so it's easier. Oh wow! So you do have, thing. you do have to have somebody that gonna like sponsor you. you yeah, yeah, sponsor you and pay for you to come. Funny. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's complicated for people come here. Um, I think a lot of times uh, Americans go to other country and it's so easy you just you just go they just passed that law that now we're going to have to get visas to go to, to Europe yeah like 2019 that. right 220 220 yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's still an easy visa you just 
you just prove that you have well we something. were we were stationed in germany and i didn't have kids at the time so i still had uh, some freedom uh-huh. and me and my friend we had a crazy idea let's go to brazil uh-huh. like sweet we're going to brazil we bought plane tickets you know we're packing dude you need a visa oh, yes what? what's a visa <laughs> uh-huh so we had to apply for like an emergency visa but you just go change. there and pay the fee and you get the visa well they told us that as soon as we land they're gonna send us back so uh-huh. we were scared so we were like so we we priority mailed our our, our visas to like, seattle or somewhere mm-hmm. and I was scared. I was like, "Are you swear? Are you gonna give them back?" <laughs> I was like, "Is this a scam?" Like, I really was scared to send my visa to somebody yeah. else. But no, they took care of it. We landed. And but in Brazil, to come here, you have to prove that you have um, something attach uh, attachment to Brazil, either work, school, and you have to prove that you have the money to come here. You have the money to stay here for whichever long you are seeing that. You are going to stay here. Mm. There is a documentary, Border Patrol or Border something at Netflix that you guys are going to see a little bit more. Some people come and they like, nope, you cannot get in. Go back. Mm. Because they even though they have the visa, they got the visa in the country. When you arrive here, you have to say, yes, I will stay in this place for this long. And if they say, no, you're not going to get in, you go back. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. It's one of the things that I didn't even realize it was that complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're our own little American bubble. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. We're coming up on 9 o'clock to you. Yeah. You want to end it here? We're or? good. We're good here? Okay. All right. We want to wrap it up. Say some Anything you want to say, Professor? Uh, thank you, guys. I hope, um, I hope and I'm sure we're going to start with the right foot. And good luck for you guys. Yeah, I, was, I, I really appreciate it because this is probably the... For me, at least, it was the perfect guest because um, we were kind of talking about who we wanted to have on first and, and having um, a, a female person. Because I, I think with the, the title of our podcast, maybe mm-hmm. lean, because a lot of people we f- who follow us on Instagram seem to be more male-oriented. At least that's what I've... That's not statistics. That's just me looking at the, the pages. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we had a female guest, uh, guest on so that it's not just, oh, it's just the guy's yes. podcast. I want to reach out to anybody who's into the things we're into. So I really appreciate it. Um, if you want to give anybody a way to follow you, are you on Instagram or Twitter? Yes, um, uh, Instagram, I believe it's F Borges Jiu Jitsu, and on Facebook too. Um, but I think um, you guys did pick the right, good person to be so sophisticated and savage. And everyone can be um, so sophisticated and savage. A lot of times, women. Be- forget to be that savage on what they want what are they aim for what are their goal go for it you know be a savage on to accomplish those goals on your high heels on your lip gloss red <laughs> lip gloss and be that that savage on achieving your goals and be an independent person and woman but don't lose that sophisticated side of us well said honestly yeah I don't think I could say anything better I think we should end it on a note okay thanks have a good one thank you